Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. I tell you what, I am pumped up to preach today. I just got to say, man, I hadn't preached in four weeks. That's the longest I've ever gone as a pastor without preaching. And so I got four weeks of preach stored up in me today. And I'm ready to preach. Who's ready to preach with me? Come on. Can I get someone here to say amen? Come on. Can I get a it's so pastor? Come on. Can I get a I'm with you? Come on. In fact, I remember we, when I was growing up, we had this girl, this lady in our church that when my dad would get going really good, she would say, it's so, pastor. So why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, it's so, pastor. I remember when we were pastoring our church in Midland, we had one guy who sat right on the second row. And whenever I was preaching, when I'd get going real good, he'd just go like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can I get some of you to just go, mm-hmm. come on, mm-hmm. pastor, I'm with you. And I'm pump up, pumped up to preach today. And hasn't this summer been great already? Didn't you guys enjoy Pastor Kyle? Come on. Didn't he do a fantastic job? I love that guy and his heart. And he shared with us what it means to be a godly family. We're going to switch gears just a little bit in our LG Summer Series today. And we're going to do something that if you've been here at LifeGate, you know that every single summer, I think this is about the sixth or the seventh summer that we have done this during the summer in the month of July. I know it's not July yet, but we're getting a little bit of a head start on it today. In this middle part of the summer, we really take a little bit of time to focus on the power of God's Word. Now, I know you think that sounds kind of funny because every Sunday I get up here and teach and preach God's Word. In fact, it's the central focus of everything that we do. That God's Word is the center focus. But something a little bit different in the summertime is this, is that not only do I get up here and preach God's Word and you listen to God's Word, but during the summer, our goal is to teach you and help you to know how to read and study God's Word for yourself. Now, I know some people say, well, why do we do this every single summer? And I'll tell you why we do it every single summer. It's because it's a part of our vision as a church. In fact, if you know our vision as a church, why don't you say it with me? Changing lives in a changing culture with what? With the unchanging truth. This is the vision, and this is what we believe here at LifeGate, that the unchanging truth of God's Word, that the things that are written within the pages of this book actually have the power to change lives. Come on, how many believe that God's Word is powerful? One word from God can make all the difference. It can change lives. In fact, you see this throughout the scripture. From the very beginning, it was with God's words. It was with three little words that changed everything. Let there be. And suddenly everything changed. Man, you look at you look at the New Testament and you see Jesus' life as he walked around and did the ministry that he that he did. It was by the power of his spoken word that lives were changed. I mean, he would speak a word and blind eyes would be open and deaf ears would be open. He would speak a word and people who were lame and could not walk would stand up and walk. He would speak words and even dead people would be raised to life again. Man, that's the power of God's word. And here's what we believe is that it's not just in the spoken word of God. 
or the spoken word of Jesus. But that same power to heal and forgive and restore and resurrect and change lives, that same power that was spoken out loud by Jesus and by God to change the world and to change lives is the same, the same power that is available to every single one of us through the written word of God. The Bible is God's word written to us. And there is power when we open it, when we read it, when we apply it to our lives. It has the power to change us from the inside out. So over this next six weeks, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to open up God's word and we're going to study through one of my favorite books of the entire Bible, the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter one, because that's where we're going to be. And in this next six weeks, we're going to have two goals. So everybody say two goals. Two goals, and the two goals are the same as they were last year and the year before and the year before. These two goals are simply this. We want to get the Word of God in you. So everybody say, get it in me. We want to get the Word of God in you, that it has the power to change your life if you learn how to read it and study it for yourself. But the second thing is, we don't want to just get the Word in us. We want to get the Word of God to people in the world who do not have the Word of God so that it can change their life. Because how many know if it has the power to change my life, it also has the power to change the lives of people in the world. And so what we're going to do is we got two challenges for you over this next six weeks. The first challenge is the soap challenge. So everybody say soap challenge. The soap challenge. And the soap challenge just goes like this. In fact, at your seats today, every one of you should have got one of these soap cards. So everybody get them out. Lift them up so I can see that you got them. You're wondering, what is this soap card? If you weren't here last last year, you don't know what the soap card is. So I'm going to just explain what the soap card is. Here's what we're going to do. Every Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to come. And Ephesians has six chapters. We've got six Sundays. Every Sunday, we're going to look at one chapter in Ephesians. And we're going to soap it together. And soap uh, is, a, is a Bible study method that I talk taught you last week on, or last year on just how to study the Bible. So I'm going to take a passage in Ephesians 1 today and we're going to soap it together. But also what we have done is we have broken Ephesians down into six weeks worth of reading. And so what I want you to do is take this little card and every day for the next six weeks, just take it and read whatever it says on there for June 24th. It's Ephesians 1, 1 through 6, only six verses. And you say, well, I, that's not very much to read, but here's the deal. It's not about how much you read. It's about how much you get out of it. And so here's how soap works. You're going you're gonna to read that scripture. That's the S. But then the O is you're going to write down, what did I observe as I was reading that? What do I think God wants to say in those six verses that I just read? Then the A goes like this. How does this apply to my life? How do I do it? How do I live it out in my own life? And then you end that time with a prayer. God, help me to live that out. How many think you could do that? Everybody could do that probably over the next six weeks. It's only six verses per day something like that. The next thing we're going to do is this though, because this year God gave us a word for the year and that year, that word is family. And so we're not just going to soap it on Sundays. We're not just going to soap it every day. I know that sounds funny, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to use soap as a family. Okay. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do, especially because these little readings are really short. That one time per week that you would sit down with your family, every, that means it's going to be six times, you would sit down with your family. Maybe you do it on Sunday. Maybe you do it on a, you know, a Tuesday night or something. Have dinner. Pull out the soap 
card and read the scripture. Then ask your kids or your family or whoever's at the table, what did you observe there? What is God saying there? Then talk about how does that apply to us? Then pray over it together. And you can spend five, ten minutes doing a little family devotional together. And how many would think that if you did that six times over the next six weeks, that it might have the potential to make a difference in your family too, right? So we're going to soap it together. So everybody say soap it together. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to come together to get the word of God to people in the world who don't have it in their language. Now, I want you to imagine this. If I told you, hey, God's word has the power to change your life. If you just read it and then I handed you one to read and it was in the original Greek or Hebrew, what would you do? (laughs) You'd be like, how do I read this? It's not in my language. I don't know how to do it. Well, guess what, guys? There are over 300 major languages in the world today that still don't have the Bible translated into their language. That means that the powerful, life-changing Word of God is not available to those people. But through Fire Bible, a program that we connect together with as a church and have been doing for the last six or seven years, we are translating Bibles into languages that don't have a Bible translation and then distributing those Bibles to churches and to people, putting them in their hands so that their lives can be changed just like our lives are being changed through the Word of God. And so here's the challenge. The Fire Bible challenge is this. I believe every family, everybody say every family, family. Every single family in the church, I believe we could come together and every family could at least do 15 Bibles. How does this work? One Bible costs $10. So here's what I'm challenging every family to do. I believe you could, I believe most of you could do it in the next six weeks, but at least between now and the end of the year that every family could come together and don't just like pay for it. Like get your family together and do it together and do $150 towards Fire Bible so that people that don't have the Bible can have it in their own language. How many of you say we can do this, right? Come on, we can do it together. Why? Because God's word changes everything. It changes everything. Lives, And we're going to study that a little bit in Ephesians chapter 1 today. And, and, and verse number 17 is where we're going to start. And while you're getting there, let me just set it up for you just, just a little bit here today that the book of Ephesians is, is actually what, was, what is known as an epistle. Everybody say epistle. Epistle. Now, some of you say, what is an epistle? Is it like the wife of an apostle? That's a little preacher joke there if you didn't get that. But that's not what it is. An epistle is actually a letter that was written by one of the apostles, and it was written to one of the churches in the early days of Christianity. And so the book of Ephesians just happened to be written by an apostle named Paul, and it was written to a church that was in a city named Ephesus. In fact, that's where we get our name, Ephesians, that he wrote this letter to this church in a city called Ephesus. And this city of Ephesus was a really important city. And the reason the city was so important is because where it sat. It sat in a really busy port in in Rome. In those days in Rome, people would come in and out of Ephesus and ships would come in and cargo would come in. And so it was a really influential city. I mean, you think about in our day and time, you might think about like LA or New York or London or something like that. That's what Ephesus was like. And so Paul is writing to these people in this church in Ephesus. And here's what he knows. He knows that these people have influence. He knows that what he writes to them is not just going to influence that church, but because of the busyness of the city and the people coming in and traveling out, that actually what he writes to them is going to not just affect those people, but it's going to spread from those people. And even on these ships and all that, it's going to spread around the world and impact a whole bunch of people. 
And little did he know that what he wrote would not just impact Ephesus and impact the people coming in and out of this port city, but it would still be impacting and changing lives just like you and me today. And so he writes to these people. And if you think about how important these people in this place that he is writing to, he's probably going to write something that's pretty important. And as you study through Ephesians, man, you can see there are a whole bunch of topics and themes in Ephesians. But as I begin to study Ephesians, one topic, one kind of main theme and thought just jumped off the page at me. In fact, this is going to be this is going to be our key thought for today and for the rest of this series. In fact, this is it. Everybody say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Knowing God changes everything. Come on, say it again. Knowing God changes everything. Here's the theme of this whole, this whole book, that the more you know God, man, the more it changes everything in your life. And this is where we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter one and verse number 17 today. Let's read it aloud. It's going to be on the screen there as well. I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? Everybody say it. So that you may know him better. Paul says, hey, this is my prayer. This is what I keep asking God. This is, this is the whole reason that I'm writing this, this, this letter to you today so that you may know God, so that you may know him better because knowing God, it changes everything. Now you have to think a little bit about what that would have meant to the people of Ephesus in that day. Like, you have to kind of put yourself in their place. And the people who lived in that city, they were Roman people. And so before they come to hear and know about Jesus, they had some, some out there kind of beliefs about God. In fact, they had all kinds of gods. They would worship, they would worship the gods of the, of the universe. They would worship, they would worship like the three, I did a little study, the three sons of Saturn. And they would, they would, they would worship like uh, the different, the different planets and, and all this stuff. And the way they, the way they saw God was like, like they were these spirits in the sky that looked down on people but had no involvement in their life. And now Paul comes along with all these things that they believe that, hey, God's are in the sky, not involved in my life. And Paul begins to say something that was revolutionary to them. Not only does he say, hey, there's not a whole bunch of gods, but there's really only one true God. Think about this. He says, not only is there one true God, but you can know him. And he can know you. Imagine how their minds must have been blown as they thought about gods as people up in the sky who had no involvement in their life. And Paul comes along and says, no, no, no. There's one God and he is the true God. But here's what's so great about it is he wants to be involved in your life. He wants to know you. He wants to have relationship with you. And he wants you to know him. That there is a God who wants to know you and you can know him. Now, some of you say, well, that was cool for them, but what about for us? Well, you know what? I think about the world that we live in today. And let's just be honest. I mean, we live where we live right here in Burleson, Texas. Like we live, we live in a very religious society. When you think about it, we are in the Bible Belt. And not only in the Bible Belt, we live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a church on every corner. Many of you probably grew up in church. You probably, you know, learned some scriptures and some stories and some songs. And you saw them on the flannel graph. Remember that when you were growing up in in children's church and stuff like that? And so here's the deal. We live in an area where most people know a whole lot about God. 
Like we go to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, you know. We, go, we, go, we know about God, but do we really know him? And Paul is saying, hey, guys, there's a better way that you can not just know about God, not just know some stories and some scriptures and go to church every now and then, but there is a God who wants to know you and you can truly know him. He wants to have relationship with you and he wants to be involved in your life. Think about how revolutionary that is. When you know God, it changes everything. Man, I know it changed everything for me. Man, I grew up in in church like many of you maybe grew up. But not only did I grow up in church, like I grew up in a pastor's home. I'm a pastor's kid. Watch out, y'all. I tell you, watch out for those pastor's kids. And man, I went to church every single Sunday. I heard every sermon. Man, in fact, I didn't know, I don't know if you guys do, but when I was growing up, I had a drug problem. Did you know that? I was drugged to church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There's another little preacher joke there for you. Come on. How many remember those days when it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival service, all that kind of stuff, man? I sat on the pew. I knew all the stories. I could, man, I could have got up there and preached the sermons for my dad. I knew it all by heart. Something changed in me. About 15 years old, God began to call my parents to a new ministry to move to a new town to start, start a new church. And I remember my dad was preaching at different churches to kind of raise support for the ministry that, that we were going to be beginning. And one night in a little town in Oklahoma, a little town called Alva, Oklahoma. I don't know if y'all even know where that's at. My dad's preaching. And I'd heard the sermon like 15 times before because he preached the same sermon at every church. Like new people, old sermon. You know what I'm saying? And yet something changed. As I stood there, the end of the service during the altar call, God began to speak to my life. And I remember him speaking specifically. I haven't just called your parents to go and start this church. I'm calling you the full-time ministry. And I remember standing there with my hands lifted up, tears streaming down my face and saying, yes, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And something changed inside of me. No longer did I just know about God. No longer did I just know God because my parents knew God. No longer did I just know the stories and the scriptures and the sermons. No, 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 no. In that moment, in that time, as I surrendered fully to his calling in my life, man, I began to know him on a personal level. I began to have relationship with him and since that time it has changed everything i want to talk about it just a little bit about what happens when we know god our scriptures right there ephesians 1 and 17 but what about the observation well let's look at a couple of things that we observe from this passage of scripture the first one is this if you're taking notes that when i know god here's what happens it gives me perspective everybody say perspective Here's what happens. When I know God, you know what happens? I see things different. And the more I know God, the more I begin to see things the way God sees them. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in verse number 18. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the what? Everybody say it out loud. That the eyes of your heart be enlightened. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, hey, I want you to know God. This is the prayer I'm praying for you that you would know God. Because here's what happens. When you know God, your eyes are opened. And not just your physical eyes, but your heart eyes, your spiritual eyes. The the eyes of your spirit are enlightened so that you begin to see things like you've never seen them before. You begin to see things the way God sees them. The more you know him, the more you see things the way he sees them. 
fact, I was thinking about this as I was, as I was preparing and studying for this, this message. We just came back from vacation with our family. And so I have two teenage girls. And so, you know, when you got teenage girls, you know vacation is going to consist of some shopping. You know what I'm saying? So we're at the shopping mall. And then I also have, I also have a two-and-a-half-year-old son. And so we're at the mall, and he's rolling around in the stroller. But after a while, he don't want to be in that stroller no more. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's a boy. He wants to get up and run around. And so I let him out of the stroller, but then he wants to run around all over the place. And so I'm like, you got to take daddy's hand. You know what I'm saying? And so we're walking around the mall. And I was thinking about this idea of seeing things differently. And I started thinking about, I wonder what he sees, you know? I mean, he's, he's two and a half years old. That means he's three foot tall. And so he doesn't see things the same way that I see him. And I started thinking, I wonder what his perspective is. And then I realized his perspective, what he sees is just a whole bunch of people's rear ends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how tall he is. That's not really a great perspective, you know? And so... In order for him to see what I see, what has to happen? He has to draw close to me. And then I pick him up and I hold him and I raise him up to my level. And he begins to see, not a bunch of rear ends, he begins to see above all of that and begins to see from a different perspective. I started thinking, you know, isn't this the way it is with us and God sometimes? Like we see things from a low perspective. And sometimes that's not a very good perspective. Sometimes we see stuff that doesn't look so great. You know what I'm saying? And yet the closer we get to God, the more we know him, the more he lifts us up to his level and opens the eyes of our heart to enlighten us, to see things the way that he sees them. It gives us perspective. I just started thinking about a few of the different perspectives that change when you begin to know God. I mean, when you know God, here's what happens. Letter A, write it down. I begin to, I begin to see myself differently. Some of you are here today. And you don't see yourself from a God perspective. Here's how you see yourself. You see yourself from the perspective and the lens of your past. The sin. The struggle. The shame. Some of you, you see yourself through the lens of what others have done to you. Or what others have said about you. The labels that have been placed upon your life. But here's what, I, here's what I know. The more I get close to God, the more I know God, the more I begin to know myself. The more I begin to see myself, not the way others see myself, and, and not the way I see myself, but I begin to see myself through God's lens, through His perspective. In fact, as I was studying uh, through the book of Ephesians, what I found is that most scholars say the main theme and the main point of Ephesians is this idea of identity. Like throughout the book of Ephesians, it's over and over God telling us who we are. I mean, just a few things that He says in Ephesians. He says that you are a saint. That you are a part of the body of Christ. That you are chosen before the foundations of the world. That you are holy and blameless. That you are loved. That you are adopted into God's family. That you are redeemed through the blood of Christ. That you are made alive in Christ. That you are God's workmanship. That you are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. That you are being built together into a holy dwelling. These are all the themes that that Ephesians is saying about who we are. And I thought it was interesting that I'm saying, hey, the theme of Ephesians is knowing God. And others are saying the theme of Ephesians is is your identity. And I thought, you know what? Doesn't that work together? The more I know God, the more I'm going to know myself. The more I'm going to see myself through God's eyes. And instead of seeing myself the way others see me or the way I see through my sin, I see myself through God's eyes. And he lifts me up to a higher perspective going to change the way I see myself. It's changed the way, letter B, write it down. Change the way I see others. Change the way I see my neighbors. Because here's the deal, guys. Like, if I don't see myself as of worth, the way God sees me, then guess what? You know, I'm not going to see others as people of worth either. 
Like if I only see my own sin, guess what I'm going to see in everybody else? If I only see my own shame and my own struggles, guess what I'm going to see in everyone else? If I only see my own imperfections, guess what I'm going to point out in everyone else? Come on. You with me? Right? But guess what happens? The more I know God, the more he shows me who I really am in him, the more I know myself. And it changes the way that I see and treat others as well. It's a different perspective. The more I know God, the more I, I see things from his perspective. The more I see, let her see, not just myself and others, the, the more I'm going to see my problems through his perspective. Because you know what happens? Like, if I'm, if I'm not close to God, guess what happens? My problems look huge. But the closer I get to God, the, the, the more he looks huge and the smaller the problems look in my life. The more I know how much he loves me and who I am in him, the more I know him, the more when problems come, I'm not going to stress and struggle and strain and be anxious because I know that there's a God who loves me. I know him. I don't just know about him. I truly know him. You know what else it changes? Change the way I see my stuff. That's letter D. Like instead of, hey, I got this scarcity mindset. Because i got to make sure and keep everything that I have for myself because I'm my provider. And i got to make sure if I give any of it away, I don't know if I'll have enough. But when I start to know God, you know what I know? I know he's my provider. And he wants to take care of me. And he has abundance for me. And so when pastor says give $150 to, to Fire Bible or do your tithe or whatever, I'm like, yeah, that's right. I know God. And God is a generous God. And God is also a God that's going to provide for me. And so, yeah, I can see my stuff a whole lot different because I'm seeing things through God's eyes. Come on, you tracking with me? Gives me new perspective. Everybody say perspective. Knowing God, number two, write this down. Knowing God doesn't just give me new perspective. It gives me purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Gives me purpose. Look what Paul says in verse 18. And I keep asking God that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he is what? To which he has called you. Did you know today, every single one of you sitting in this room, you are called. You are called by God. There is a hope to which he has called you. There is a purpose for you to live for. In fact, we're going to study it next week in Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do that God has a calling, a purpose for us to carry out while living on this earth. But you know what? Sometimes that can be frustrating because some of you are here today. You're going, what? You know, okay, I get that. Maybe God has a purpose for me, but... Like, I have no clue what it is. Come on, you ever been there before? Like, okay, God has a purpose, but I don't, how do I know what it is? In fact, uh, studies and surveys have been done that say that most Christians believe that God has a purpose for them. But a little over two-thirds of those Christians have said they don't know what it is. You know what we do? When we don't know what our purpose is, we look for everything else to be our purpose. Well, maybe it's making money, or maybe it's having fun, or maybe it's all of this other stuff. And guess what? You ain't going to find your purpose in that. Can I just help you out today? If you want to know your purpose on this earth, instead of searching for your purpose, here's what you do. You search for God. And the more you know God, come on, the more you know him, the more you're going to know what he wants you to do. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 11. I love the way it reads in the message. Check this out. He says, it is in Christ. In other words, it is when we know God, when we know Christ, that we find out, first of all, who we are. Isn't that what we just talked about? Identity. But secondly, what we are living for. So in knowing God, we don't just find out who we are. We also found, find out what it is that he has placed us on this earth to live for. Long before we first heard, heard of Christ, 
Christ and got our hopes up. He had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall what? Everybody say it. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. What is this saying? You want to know your purpose? Here's how you know who you are and what you were created to do. You get to know God. And the more you know him, the more you'll know who you are. And the more you'll know what he created you to do, the purpose that he called for you to live on this planet. So instead of saying, what's my purpose? What do you do? You say, how do I know God more? Because the more I know him, the more I'm going to know your pur- my purpose. And can I just give you a few little clues? Like, first of all, your purpose is probably right in front of you. In fact, most of you, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you what God's purpose is for you. You ready for this? It's those kids in your home. It's that family. It's those relationships. You stare across the table at them every time you sit down to eat together. In fact, it might just be that the greatest contribution that you give on this planet is not a ministry that you build, but a person that you raise. Maybe some of you just need to realize, man, this is who I am. And what I'm called to do is to raise up that next generation. Others of you, God has put gifts in your life. He has put resources in your life and he placed them there not to just build your life and to have fun and all that, which there's nothing wrong with all that stuff, but maybe God has put those resources in your life to make a difference in others' lives. In fact, some of you, as I talk about, give $150 to Fire Bible, that could be minimum. You could do way more than that because God has placed those resources in your life to do it and it's right there in front of you. The more I know God, Man, it's going to give me perspective. It's going to give me purpose. But number three, write this down. Here's what happens. It gives me power. Everybody say power. power. It gives me power. In fact, some of you are going, man, you know, I'm getting this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm kind of knowing God. I'm kind of seeing things the way God sees them. I know I have a purpose and I'm trying to kind of live for that purpose. But I'm not really sure if I have what it takes to do what God has called me to do. Because, man, when I start seeing things the way God sees them and I start trying to live that way, then, man, you know, like there's, like there's, it's overwhelming. I don't know if I have the power to do it. But look what Paul says in verse number 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people and his empower and incomparably great what power for those that believe the more i know god the more i'm going to experience his miraculous power working in my life doing the things that i could never do for myself so what's the application the application is simply this okay god okay guys how do i know god <laughs> If this is so important, if it changes everything, how do I get to know him? Well, I want to give you three things. I got 21 seconds to do it. How many think I can do that? (laughs) Three things. Write them down. Here's how we get to know God. Study his word. This is the whole point of this whole series and this whole six weeks. Is that if I want to know God's heart, you know what I have to do? I have to listen to his words. And I have to, guess what, guys? The letters in this, in this page, you know what it is? It's a love letter from God to you. And if you want to know him, you know what you do? You open up, you read it. You want to know his heart? You listen to what he has said. And he has said it through the pages of this book. And this is why we're challenging you with the soap challenge and the soap family thing and all that. Because I know if I can get you to read your Bible and, and not just read it, but like get something from it every single day for six weeks, it will change your life. You will leave six weeks from now knowing God more than you know him now by studying his word. Number two, write this down. Not only do I study his word, if I want to get to know God, man, this is so important. I have to surrender to his ways. Man, guys, it's not enough to just read a Bible. 
or come to church, listen to a sermon. All that's important, and that's part of it. But you've got to get to a place where you say, I am surrendered. I'm not just listening to it and hearing it and reading it. I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to surrender everything. And here's the reason I think a lot of people, especially in the Bible Belt where we live, they know about God but don't really know Him because they've never come to a place of full surrender. In fact, I believe most Christians live in a state of partial surrender. Like, God, I'll give you, you know, a couple Sundays a month. You know, I'll give you a little bit over here. You know, a couple days, maybe a week, a little bit of time in the morning, but you can't have my whole day. Or, you know, I'll give you Sunday, but you can't have Friday and Saturday. That's when I do my thing. And then if I feel like it after doing my thing Friday and Saturday, I'll get up and go to church on Sunday. And we never fully surrender. We make our own decisions, do our own thing, spend our own money, live our own lives. And we never really know him because we've never really fully surrendered to his ways. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Matthew Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Look what he says. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who what? Who does the will of the Father in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And I will tell them plainly what? I never knew you. Man, that's a pretty scary thought. That I can know about God. That I can go to church and know the stories, even read the scriptures. But until I have done the will of the Father. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the ones that do my will, those are the ones that know me. Until I have surrendered myself to his will and to his ways, I will not truly know him. In fact, I could stand before him with all of this stuff and he could say, I never knew you. How do I know him more? I study his word. I surrender to his ways. Number three, I get involved in his work. And I tell you what, you know, a great way to get to know people is to, is to work together with them. In fact, we, we have an incredible staff. I didn't even say this to other services. It just came to my mind. I got back from vacation today. I, we got back last night, so I hadn't been to the office, you know, until, until this morning. I got here this morning, and they put these crazy pictures all up in my office. And I got pictures of my family, and they replaced them with pictures of themselves. So there's one over here, Pastor Cassie, and one of Pastor Joshua. And, and then I saw those, and I laughed, and I didn't see. I have some other pictures of family and stuff. They cut out little faces. And so, like, I have this one where I'm holding Easton. And I saw it, it has Cassie's face right there on it. I mean, like you get to know people when you work with them, you know what I'm saying? And guess what? You know how you get to know God? By working with him. By doing what he wants you to do. By getting involved in his ways and in his work here on this planet. And you know, that's why we're doing this fire Bible thing. Guess what? You know what God's heart is? God's heart is that every person on the planet would have his word so that their life could be changed. His heart, the Bible tells us he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And how do they come to repentance? By knowing his word. And so guess what? If it's God's heart that people who don't have his word in their language would have it in their language, guess what? That ought to be our heart too. And the more we make it our heart, guess what happens? The more we get to know him. The more we work with what he is working with and do what he is doing on the planet, the more he begins to change our hearts. The more we begin to see him the way he wants us to see him. And the more we begin to see ourselves the way he wants us to see ourselves in the world, the way he wants us to see the world, the more we begin to see his purpose playing out in our life. And the more we have the power to stand up and do what God has called us to do. So that leads us to our prayer. The end of this hope is the prayer. What's the prayer? 
The prayer is simply this. God, I want to know you. In fact, why don't we do this? Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room today. And I want, you to, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me on the count of three. God, I want to know you. One, two, three. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. In fact, his heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this room. Some of you are here today and you say, I don't know God in that way you're talking about, Pastor. I know about him. I know some stories. I come to church. But don't really know him. I'm not where I should be with him. But today I want to come to that true knowing, not just knowing about him, but knowing him in a way that when I stand before him on that day, he won't say, depart from me, I never knew you. He will say, you did the will of my father. I know you. My son, my daughter. 